Just two weeks ago, the NSCA, after 76 years, announced that they were changing their name to United Soccer Coaches, uniting all coaches around the love and passion of the game. And you think about that word united, you think about what went down in Charlottesville just a few days ago, and it opens up your heart to want to live in a better world, a better country. And right in Charlottesville, one of uh, the all-time greats entering his 18th season as the head coach of the University of Virginia women's soccer team, one of the most successful women's collegiate teams out there. Steve Swanson, also a regular with the USA program with U.S. soccer, an assistant coach with the U.S. national team. He has coached some of the youth national teams to great success as well. And Steve Swanson joins me now from Charlotte. Phil, Steve, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. And obviously, as you heard me talk about United, what went down in Charlottesville breaks our heart. Uh, talk about uh, how you are reacting to everything that took place there. Well, like, like I think, like most, like most citizens, it, it's it's sad, you know, and it's um, it's one of the things you never like to to hear uh, what happened happen anywhere but the fact that it was in our hometown was uh was difficult for us and very challenging for us um especially the people that live here all the time it's you know i think this could have happened in in in, in any city or town throughout the country but the fact that it happened in charlottesville which in, you know i've lived in a lot of places is about as great a city as you could possibly come to and uh it's a diverse town it's a it's a loving town it's a very open town, so it was difficult to see that happen. It was difficult for our team to, uh, you know, we re- we just returned from a preseason trip to come back into that. So it was we were caught a little bit off guard on it, but I think if any city can handle it, it's Charlottesville. And you know, I'm confident the people here and the community here will rise like they already are and uh, spread the the message that uh, we we all should be spreading. It's about being inclusive, caring about our fellow human beings and loving each other. You know, I think that's what the majority of the United States is all about, and that's that's certainly what our community is about. Leading up to the events before the uh, terrible tragedy um, with the, the three deaths, what kind of awareness did they give to the students and, of course, uh, with that, the student-athletes and the staff and faculty and everybody else at Virginia in Charlottesville? Well, there, there had been a, a, a rally uh, three or four weeks earlier that wasn't as big. Um, of course, this is all in reaction to the city council of, of, of Charlottesville deciding to uh, rename a park that was uh, Robert E. Lee Park into Emancipation Park, and then also the taking down of a statue in, in town. There was a response to that, and there was a about three weeks earlier there was a rally, but it, it, it didn't nearly have the same outreach as, as this one. And so when we came back into town, I, I didn't really fully appreciate uh, how many people were in town or who came into town from the, the, this, this alternate right faction until Saturday morning. I think things escalated on Friday night when they, they marched downtown uh, from the downtown area onto the University of Virginia campus. And of course, it's a public place, so they have the right to do that. But I think things really started to escalate from there, and emotions got high. And uh, I think that followed into to Saturday with, with all that happened Saturday and that, uh, the governor declaring a state of emergency. So, unfortunately, there's there's hate out there. You wish it wasn't so, but I think everybody has a right to free speech. We know that. It's just sad when it escalates and... Uh, lives are lost and injuries are happening and, and people are dying because of it, you know. So it was difficult for us to go through. It affected us because we couldn't do any. Once the emergency was declared, we, we really couldn't do anything as a team. And we we had a scrimmage set for Sunday that was can- we had to cancel. So in our, in our own little world, it affected us. But obviously, we were just a small part when you were talking about loss of life and and uh, injuries and things like that. We're just, it was just a very small part of it. So... It was uh, tragic, and we're still going through the the repercussions of of everything that happened this weekend. But thankfully, I think uh, I think things are more back to normal now. Yeah, you did say that uh, before we came on the air that uh, Charlottesville is a strong community. It's about love and unity, and that the town will respond. The mayor's been impressive, and the university will respond. Yes, I think that that's that's been the case. The one thing I've lived here eighteen years, and 
one of the things that really struck me when I first came here uh, was the caliber of people that are in Charlottesville. I don't think you find out as much about people um, in the good times as you do under adverse conditions. And we've had uh, a couple of different instances where we've had some adversity in and among the university and in and amongst a community like this. And uh, this is where I think our people really shine. I mean, the Charlottesville community is, is a special group. And I think there's amazing leaders in the community. There's amazing leaders in the athletic department. Our coaching staff has been fantastic. And I think we've all thought, hey, if it had to happen to Charlottesville, what better place that can handle it and can deal with it and can send the right message out. And I feel very strongly about that, that we need to be leaders in our own right as, as coaches and as programs and, and send the message that this isn't the Charlottesville that we know and we should be all doing what we do with our teams and that's embracing everybody's differences, embracing everybody's cultures and learning to love one another and making sure that our, our differences are respected and that they're, they can make it stronger. So I think that's, what, that's the message that we're espousing right now and I think, like I said, I've been you know, I'm 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 proud to to be a Charlottesville resident, and I think the way people have responded and the way people have handled this uh, difficult uh, circumstance and the weekend the weekend's events, I think uh, it's reason to be positive and optimistic about the future. Steve, specifically, how have the young women on your team and maybe even their moms and dads responded to the situation? Well, I think obviously they're concerned. Um, we had a lot of parents come down. They were they were planning on having the. We were planning on having a scrimmage on Sunday, and a lot of them had come down to see their daughters. But as it was, it was good in some ways because they could be with their families. So that was good. But I think the families feel the same way I do. You know, this is a great place. It's a safe place. And even while that was going on, we made sure that all our players were, were safe. And, and it was nice to have some of the families here, but the ones that weren't, I think they felt like their daughters were in good hands and, and that they were being protected and those kinds of things. And so you feel the, the university and the, uh, the resources that are surrounding the University of Virginia and the athletic department are good resources to have just in case. And I think the parents understand that and, and uh, felt secure in that. Coach, so many times uh, we have seen uh, under difficult situations, our country turn to sports and the, the competition uh, and athletes to boost up our, our morale. And that's what uh, I'm certainly hoping and knowing that you'll do with this Virginia women's soccer team as you enter your 18th season and putting that behind you and uh, using it to unify your team. Uh, tell us about uh, your team that uh, will start this weekend. I always enjoy preseason, but I've, I've enjoyed this, this preseason more than ever. I think we have a, a pretty young team overall. I, I don't think we have the same experience that we've had, say, the last two or three years, but uh, they're a very cohesive group. They've been working very hard. We were fortunate this summer to to embark on a foreign tour, so we went to to Europe and spent some time there together, which which kind of helped us both on and off the field. So we feel like we're in a little different spot than we would have been um, had we not had that international tour. We think we're further along, but the truth is we, we've got a pretty inexperienced back four and uh, goalkeeper, and uh, we've got a pretty young team. So, uh, and we have a very challenging schedule, probably the, the hardest schedule that we've had to face in my 18 years here, which is great. I think we'll find out a lot about our team, but I'm confident that we're going to get better during the year. I'm confident we're going to stick together. I'm confident we're going to uh, push one another. I'm excited myself to see how this, this team steps up and does. Like I said, they've worked very hard, and now it's just a matter of getting out and put the boat, as I always say, to put the boat in the water and uh, see, see where we are. See see, where, see if there's any holes in the boat. I hope there, if there are, they're not too big. So No, it's always a pretty good-looking boat, indeed. If you've ever watched the Virginia women's soccer team play, fantastic team, a fantastic venue there in Charlottesville. New name, United Soccer Coaches. You think about Unite as uh, we think about what took place in, in Charlottesville. I thought it was only fitting that uh, we try to you know get in touch with you. You're so kind, so gracious last minute to spend some time with us to get us caught up on uh, how your team is reacting to the community in general. Well said uh, to you and everybody in Charlottesville is uh, praying for the entire community as well. And uh, with that, looking forward to seeing your team. Steve, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us to, to kick off the show this week. Oh, you're welcome, Dean. You're welcome. And, and I think it's a great, I like the new name. 
I think United Soccer Coaches is very uh, representative of the, the soccer coaching community and the sport in general. I think it's what's uh, propelled us to be where we are right now, you know, and uh, I'm an optimistic person and I, I really feel strongly that the incident that happened this weekend here in Charlottesville will make us all stronger as a, as a country. So well, let's, let's pray for that, okay? Indeed. God bless and God bless America. Steve, thanks for being with us. All right, Dean. You take care. Let's unite, everybody. And with that, the United Soccer Coaches podcast kicks off now. The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right. The NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am. I'm Dean Linke, and thanks for being with us on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. With the college soccer season starting this weekend, we load you up with visits from coaches around the country for men and women and at different levels of college soccer. Remember, we said we would do that on this podcast, and we certainly will. Up first, we will talk to one of the legends of college soccer, Al Albert, who coached the William & Mary men's soccer team from 1971 to 2003, taking over the team when he was just 21 years old, and he finished with a sparkling 401 wins. He heads up the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, and he still works at William & Mary in athletic development. Al is fired up for the college soccer season, but without any of the stress. Another man fired up for the college soccer season is another legend, Dr. Jay Martin, entering his 41st season, count him 41 straight seasons, as the head coach of the D3 men's team at Ohio Wesleyan. He is the all-time winning men's soccer coach at any level with 683 wins. He just took his team to Germany for two weeks. And guess what, folks? The last two times he took his team to Germany before the season started, his Ohio Wesleyan teams won a national championship. How about that? Don't forget that Dr. Jay Martin, who is a full-time professor at Ohio Wesleyan as well, continues in his role as the editor of the Soccer Journal, a job he has held since 2001. How in the world does he do it? Incredible energy for Dr. Jay Martin. Staying in the D3 world, but switching to women, Ryan Kwame has the Wisconsin Whitewater team at number 10 to start the season, a year after winning 21 straight last year, and we get to know Coach Kwame. From there, we stay in the women's game and visit with Eddie Radwanski, who enters his seventh season as head coach of the Clemson women's soccer team, ranked 13th to start the season, and they have a team good enough to win a national title. And finally, we end with a very special visit with one of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 members, Sarah Loudon, who is doing whatever it takes to learn from the very best. After a great run with Randy Waldrum and the Houston Dash, she is now learning under Becky Burley of the Florida Gators by way of Newcastle, England, nothing is going to slow Sarah down in her pursuit of becoming a head coach. So how about that? Let's get going and we start with United Soccer Coaches Honor Award recipient and the legendary William and Mary men's soccer coach Al Albert after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com United. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. In 1971, at the age of 21, Al Albert accepted an offer to become the full-time coach of the men's lacrosse and soccer programs at the College of William & Mary. Albert led the William & Mary Tribe men's soccer team as head coach for 33 seasons before retiring from college in January 2004. He amassed an amazing record of 401, 187, and 64 and became just the eighth coach in NCAA Division I history to reach 400 wins and just the third to have earned all those wins at just one 
single school. Al Albert is also a United Soccer Coaches Honor Award recipient and heads up the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. And with that, we welcome in Al Albert. Al, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. My pleasure, Dean. Always glad to talk about college soccer. Well, and before we get to college soccer, we also just mentioned your legacy with the then-named NSCAA, now United Soccer Coaches. Of course, you won the prestigious honor award a few years ago. When you got the news that they were changing the name, give us your reaction and how it has settled in for you. My reaction was uh, probably a little more muted than some of the older members who are emotionally attached to the name NSCAA. I certainly didn't mind the old name, but I understand the reason for the change. And people smarter than me who are marketing experts believe that the rebranding was important. And I do believe that our organization has been a global organization for a number of years and that the new name is probably more appropriate to the globalization of the organization and the inclusion of all types of members throughout the United States and the world. Well, and you've got the name United Soccer Coaches, and one of the things that uh, they've been telling everybody lately is, you know, hey, whatever you do at breakfast and lunch, don't talk politics. And I'm not going to ask you to go there, but uh, if the United name ever meant something, boy, it certainly does in today's world as well. And I think United Soccer Coaches has shown that as well with their diversity. Any comments on that? Oh, yeah. I think uh, we're way ahead of the curve in terms of our diversity initiatives. I don't know the statistics on uh, certainly on ethnicities and geography and uh, gender, but I, I know that for many years we've been doing diversity training with all aspects of the organization and that certainly our convention is one of the most welcoming sort of events uh, that I've been to. You already talked about your excitement for the start of the college season and you heard me uh, rattle off your record, 401, 187, and 64, incredible time starting at age 21, 1971 to 2003. Al, you look like you could still be coaching. That was 2003. You look like you still could be coaching today. What made you say, you know what, I've done enough, I've had enough as you got to win 401? Well, uh, I may look on the outside like I could still be coaching, but on the inside, I was a little worn out. I think most people, the question I was asked is, how could you give up coaching, which is to some people the most fun job that anyone could imagine, to asking people for money, which isn't exactly what I do, but a big part of what I do, which for some people is probably the worst thing they can imagine. But I think people don't realize how much coaching takes out of you. It's all-encompassing. I loved every minute of it, but uh, after 33 years, I was ready to step away and spend a little more time with my family, my wife, uh, doing some other things that I like doing, and still very fortunate to be involved in uh, athletics at the college level. I can walk around the building anytime I want, talk to Coach Norris about the team, go to the games, live and die in those two hours and change, but then go home and get a good night's sleep instead of having to toss and turn for 48 hours after a loss and worried about how I'm going to win the next one. So, you know, I was ready. I think people say, how do you know you're ready? And I think the answer is you just kind of know. You just kind of know. And like you said, you're able to roll right into a very successful role still at the College of William and Mary with development. And, and you've taken that role even into the United Soccer Coaches with the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Yes. Um, you know, that was fortunate that I was able to sort of bring that expertise into the mix when I was on the board and now, you know, as the chair right now of the foundation committee, we are getting near the end of our first $1 million fundraising effort. That's kind of like the Austin Powers $1 million, which in the world of endowments is not a big number, but coming from zero, we're pretty proud of that. We've cracked the $800,000 level, so we're in the last um, uh, quintile, I guess you would say, of that fundraising effort. And we are now actually starting to ramp up our legacy society, which is a society of people who have made planned gifts. There are a lot of people who care about uh, the organization to the point where they will include it in their will or uh, in the designation of their IRA. 
And um, I think someday we'll have millions. Uh, and, and the purpose of the fund is to uh, help coaches who are in need of support to attend the convention, to uh, attend a coaching course, or to organizations that are doing really good work to be able to have a free non-residential coaching course. And, uh, and there will be other types of uh, efforts that we will support, but those are the three main focuses of our awards right now. And now those uh, people listening right now, if they want to learn more or even better, if they want to contribute, uh, where do they go, Al? So if you go to the main website, at the top right of the website, there's a donate button. And if you click on that, uh, all the information about the foundation will come up, who's on the foundation committee. I mean, it's an all-star roster of people who have been important uh, in the game. A lot of college coaches' names you'll remember, uh, the Jerry Yeagleys uh, of the world. The application process is outlined there and who has gotten awards in the past. And uh, we're up to about uh, 20 to 25 awards a year, so I would really encourage anyone who feels like they have a good uh, case for applying for a scholarship to uh, to submit one. So I came on the air asking uh, your opinion of the name change, United Soccer Coaches, and I like where you stand on it. And, you know, one of the things, not only about being united, the NSCAA, there was often some confusion with the NCAA, and I even got to witness that a little bit, right, with the College Game of the Week so many years, you know, is it the NCAA Game of the Week or NSCAA or who controls the rankings and everything else? So there was always a little bit of confusion there, and I think that was kind of one of the bullet points of several on why they wanted to change the name, and now no confusion. United Soccer Coaches, which will also play and continue to play a big role in college soccer. So here we go with college soccer. Al, you know that uh, having been involved for so long that they're talking about perhaps changing the college soccer schedule now at all levels to a full academic year. What are your thoughts on that for both men and women? Well, I think in an ideal world, it's the perfect solution to the next stage of development of college soccer. Uh, having moved to the other side of the building here and, and you know, having a more uh, a broader perspective on our entire athletic department, just looking at our department, I know what the issues would be. And they're probably a little bit less here than at some places. But I think it's a very complex issue. In theory, I'm 100% for it, and, I, and I'm 100% hoping that it happens. But I do think people are going to have to realize it's going to take some time for it to happen because each school has to go through their own sort of soul-searching to see uh, how they can make this happen. And, you know, at some schools it will be easier and at some schools soccer is more important than others. And I certainly hope it does happen. But in the meantime, we're obviously trying to make college soccer as, as good as we can make it, and we're getting ready to start another uh, really exciting season. Okay, so with that, let's talk uh, both men and women college soccer. I closed my opening comments about your great success, and that barely tells the story of your great success, talking about the Albert Daly Field, of course, named after you and John Daly, who's still going at it for the Tribe women's soccer team, and Anson Dorrance was featured uh, when we made the big announcements about United Soccer Coaches, and he talked about the fact that women's college soccer's never been stronger. He felt like uh, it continues to be a great base work for the U.S. women's national team and the league, as well as Mexico and Canada and several other countries across the world. So first, women's college soccer. I mean, the parity, the number of teams that are big time, not just in the big conferences, but even the smaller conferences. It's pretty amazing, the success right now of women's college soccer, Al. Oh, I think so. And I, I mean, as a guy who came out of men's college soccer, I'm obviously a little jealous that there's more than 100 more Division One women's teams in some of the biggest athletic conferences in the country. I think that's one of the things that needs to be addressed in the discussion with, you know, the move from fall to year-round is how can we get these major athletic powers in states where soccer is so important, like Texas and California, Florida, 
who only have women's teams, that's a bit of a problem for men's college soccer. But for women's college soccer, it's amazing that they have great facilities and tremendous support and crowd support. Women's college soccer is certainly you know doing great all over the country. All right. Now for men, obviously you've been following for several years the process for U.S. Soccer's Development Academy and the push for kids to be able to turn pro either overseas or directly into the homegrown situation with Major League Soccer, which some people think might dilute the college game. There's other people that uh, very much uh, stand up and push their chest out, and they should, saying, hey, Jordan Morris came from the college game and so many other players as well that needed those couple years, both academically and intellectually, let alone what the soccer has done for them. Your thoughts on where the men's game is? It's taken a little bit of hit because of the DA. Well, if you say it's taken a hit in in terms of the DA, it's the same type of argument that say MLS has taken a hit from people going to Europe, but I'm very much in favor of people going to Europe. And if Obviously, if we can get national team players in the top four leagues in Europe, then you know those are the guys that are ready for you know for the for the World Cup. And I think the same thing is true with college soccer. Sure, there are guys who have gone to MLS. There are guys who have gone overseas. In my mind, that just opens a spot on a team for somebody that maybe wouldn't have had that spot, that would have stopped playing soccer, played another sport, uh, maybe instead of going Division One, being recruited by Division One, would have gone into a Division Three situation. To me, it just creates more opportunities, and, and we will continue to have players come out of college soccer that will go pro and will have good careers. Not everybody wants to put all their eggs in that basket of becoming a pro. You know, if I knew that I was Lionel Messi, I probably wouldn't mess around, no pun intended, and just go to Barcelona. But not everybody develops at the same at the same pace. And there's a lot of uh, players who you know, need that extra year to make it. Finally, Al, last question here. We will end every one of our podcasts during the college soccer season with a visit with uh, one of the 30 men or women that are part of the most recent United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. And I mentioned that to you because I can tell that all along it's been very important to you to, yeah, continue to cater to those legacy members. But you've been a gentleman in this organization that said, hey, we got to open our doors to the youngsters coming up. Of course, yes. I had the opportunity to start my coaching career at 21, uh, but that was in 1970 and uh, wasn't quite as competitive. And I, and I empathize with young coaches out there, many of whom uh, you have to start as a volunteer assistant and grind your way up through a program or start as a high school coach and then try to get into the college game, whatever that that, uh, progress is. And now, of course, there's a club system, but there's so many great young coaches out there and anything we can do to help them get started is going to help the game. Al Albert coached the great John Stewart as well, who, uh, boy, this is a good time to be John Stewart for sure. <laughs> in this a lot crazy... of material out there, certainly. Incredible. Uh, I'll tell you, when he was part of your uh, honor award still, I mean, I, I just never laughed so hard. The guy is just unbelievable. So, Al, listen, always a pleasure. You are a good, good man. I appreciate uh, your courtesy with me and with uh, United soccer coaches each and every time we need you thanks for all you do for the organization my pleasure dean and i hope to see you on the field soon so al albert retired after 30 plus years and 401 wins ohio wesleyan's jay martin who by the way is also the editor of the united soccer coaches soccer journal is walking into his 41st year 683 wins the all-time winningest coach in men's soccer and he joins me next Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky.
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I'm Dean Linky. Delighted to be with you. And what a great way to continue to spread the message that we're going to cover college soccer at every level. And really, when you're talking about soccer at any level, you got to talk about Dr. Jay Martin, who is, uh, like Al Albert, our first guest, a legacy member of the then-named NSCAA and now United Soccer Coaches. He is in his 41st season as the head coach of the Ohio Wesleyan Battling Bishop. That's right, 40 one years and he is the winningest coach in college men's soccer history with a total of 683 wins headed into this season his 41st if you meet him it looks like he could go another 41 as well and he's also the longtime editor of the soccer journal now the united soccer coaches soccer journal and dr martin we'll start with that you know longtime member of the then named nscaa we've got a new name on the soccer journal talk about uh, how you took that news well i had nothing to do with the decision dean i'm just uh i'm just an employee of the of the organization my personal goal every issue is to put put content in there where our coaches and our members can use something that day i'm focused on the content i'm focused on getting the 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 most valid information i possibly can out out to the members well it's an amazing publication and i'm one of those uh, old school media guys i still look forward to getting it uh, all the time it's uh, one of my favorite reads you do an amazing job with it as uh, we talked about you've been the editor since 2001 talk about uh, how your role as the editor has changed over the years when I took over in 2001, and this is certainly not uh, disparaging any of my predecessors, I think, I think I'm the third editor of, of Soccer Journal since 1950 or whatever. I wanted to change Soccer Journal to be a more professional magazine. And as I said, that's not a disparaging comment to Tim Shum or anybody else. But Tim was in an era where there wasn't any social media. And therefore, you know, having... Uh, News and notes and these little updates of different coaches around the country was important for Soccer Journal. Well, with with the Internet and everything, that no longer is germane. So I want to, uh, as I told you earlier, I want to put in content that our members will use today. And secondly, I wanted to increase the focus on international soccer. And um, I visited Bayern Munich, I visited Schalke, I visited Arsenal and tried to take some information from those great coaches and put it into the put it into the magazine for, for our, our, our coaches. College soccer season is upon us. As we mentioned, your 41st year, and you're still moving and shaking. You just got back with a great trip to Germany. Tell us about the trip with your team, Coach. This trip was the 13th I've taken with Ohio Wesleyan teams. And frankly, Dean, it was, it was the best. It worked, it worked out. Everything worked out. There weren't any problems, which was, which was great. We stayed for two weeks. We played six games. In addition to that, we visited... Trier, Heidelberg, Munich, and so on. Our trip is a little bit unique in that we have a relationship. Ohio Wesleyan has a relationship with a German soccer club in a small town called Baumholder, Germany, almost an hour and a half south of Frankfurt. So when we're in Baumholder, which is our home base, our, our players actually stay with German families. So it's more than a soccer trip. It's a, it's a cultural trip, and it's a trip that will uh, offer the uh, the chance of our players to meet German people, some of whom don't speak English, which is e- even a little better challenge. But it's, it's, uh, it's ironic, too, because every trip our guys are so nervous about staying with German families. But every trip at the end, that's the best part of the trip. It's unique. It's positive. We played, as I said, six games. I think we ended up 3-2-1. Um, and one. Four of the teams were professional, you know, they're U19 professional teams. So it was a good experience for our guys. And um, they got they got a chance to see the German soccer culture. And they got a chance to understand why the United States is way, way behind in what we do with our youth programs, and so on compared to, you know, these, these quote, soccer countries. I got to believe it's also a unifier for your team, though, as you're getting ready to start uh, your 41st season. It's got to bring the team together, right? Well, we went in uh, 1997 and won the championship in 98, and we went in 2010 and won the championship in 2011. Now, I'm not guaranteeing any championships. You know how hard it is to win a national championship. But, yes, it's a a team-building thing. And what's happened is it's become the common denominator for the different generations of players. Everybody has gone on the... Germany trip, and they can, they can whether they're 
40 or 50, they can talk to the uh, players today and they can talk about the families and they can talk about the trip. And it's um, every time we have an alumni get together, it's a very, very unique and positive experience. Of course, Jay Martin has led his team to the NCAA Division Three semifinals nine times, runner up twice. And of course, he just told you about those titles in 98 and 2011. And I thought it was a typo. I was looking at the D3 rankings. Ohio Wesleyan is not in there right now, but you said no problem. We're going to be in there at the end and you've got a schedule that'll help you get there right yeah we have a schedule where we're playing eight teams that played in the ncaa tournament last year and one of my philosophies over the year is that i want to have my guys play against the best possible competition we can find that's how you get better and so we do that every year we start out with two tournaments uh every year where we uh where we where we seek and find former ncaa teams and we that's how we start the year in the first two week Weekends this year, we're playing two of the final four teams, Calvin College from Michigan and St. Thomas from Minnesota. So we're getting into it right away. We, we have a very young team, primarily sophomores, great freshman class coming in. So we're looking forward to the challenge. All right. We know the parallels between the Germany trips and winning national championships. Does your team know those parallels? Yes, they do. And they, and they talk about it. And um, the guys are excited to get going. They really, they really had a good start experience. We had front row tickets to the Super Cup last week, Dortmund and Bayern Munich. I mean, we were on the front row right in the midfield, so they got a chance to see very up close and personal the two best teams in, in Germany right now. And one of the games I schedule always is a grassroots game in some little German village up on a mountain where the entire community will come out and, and watch the game because I think that's just as important, in my opinion, as watching Bayern Munich and Dortmund. I want the guys to see the grassroots and understand a little bit about the German culture. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Jay Martin, and I emphasize the doctor, even though he didn't want me to, because it also talks about the fact that, uh, I mean, you do it all. Are you kidding me? We talk about the editor since 2001 of Soccer Journal, 41st season as the all-time winningest men's soccer coach, and you're also a member of the faculty, right, at Ohio Westland, a professor, I believe, of health and human kinetics. Are you still doing that, Dr. Martin? Yes, I am. I've been, uh, and I, I, I've been a faculty member since I joined Ohio Westland. I'm a dinosaur, as you, as you know. There aren't many left faculty members coaching, coaching anything, really. Uh, but I enjoy that as well. I hope that when all of this is over, people look at me as an educator, and soccer is part of the educational educational process. I love the classroom. I love meeting students besides men's soccer players. It's very important to me. In fact, you never know, but my plan would be when I do step down from soccer to continue teaching for a while because I, I enjoy that so much. You know, when I started in 1997, every single coach of the top 25 in Division Three were also professors, every single one of them. Now, if you go down the list of 25, I would be surprised if any of the coaches being are faculty members. The Division One model of uh, coaching has has come to Division Three. I have mixed feelings about that, but um, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. That's 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 how it is right now. Dr. J. Martin, the number six eighty three right now. I know you're going to tell me that number really doesn't mean that much to you, but do you think about eight hundred, nine hundred? I mean, do you, does it cross your mind? Think about 684, and then we'll we'll, we'll go from there. Um, you know, deep down, I'm I'm looking. At 700 is nice. 800. I mean, Dean, that'll be an, I'm, that'll be another. You know, who knows? Six, seven years. That might be that might be out of reach. But 700 certainly is in the ballpark. And of course, I look I look forward to that. But to be honest with you, you're right. To me, the number doesn't mean anything. My my SID came into my office a couple of years ago and said, you know, Jay, the next win you have is going to be number 600. And I said, are you kidding me? I mean, I didn't even I didn't even know. I don't even I don't even think in those terms. Well, as we said, you're still rolling along. You've got the family with uh, United Soccer Coaches, formerly NSCAA. And, of course, you've also got uh, an extended soccer family of your own, right? Uh, your son has been involved for a long time. Get us updated uh, on uh, how the soccer family rolls on through the Martin family. Yes. Uh, Jay Vidovich, who's um, a brother-in-law and played here and coached here, is now the head coach at Pitt. He was a longtime coach at Wake Forest, won a national championship there. Uh, then he tried the MLS, didn't like it very much, and came back to, to college soccer. My son, Ryan, 
He played a little bit in the MLS, played a couple of years, one with the crew, one with Real Salt Lake. Blew out his knee and turned to coaching. I tried to talk him out of it, but he wouldn't listen. He worked with Jay Vitovich, hmm, I think, for maybe nine years at, at Wake Forest. And then he, he and John Harks were the first two coaches at Cincinnati FC. Built a team from nothing, came in, the third, came in third place at USL, and now he is the director of the academy program at D.C. United. Wow. Outstanding. Keeps uh, the conversation around the Thanksgiving dinner table very entertaining indeed, I'm sure. Dr. Jay yeah. Martin, incredible editor of the Soccer Journal, now the United Soccer Coaches Soccer Journal, getting set for his 41st season. Uh, you really, you are a legend, and uh, man, it's a pleasure to be with you as uh, we kick off the college soccer season. Best of luck to you as you go for that third national championship. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts with you. How about Dr. Jay Martin, right? 683 wins and still going strong. Ohio Westland, D3 men will switch over to D3 women and meet with the head coach, Wisconsin Whitewater women's soccer team, Ryan Kwame, after this message. Ready to ditch your spreadsheet? Team Snap can help you streamline your club and league management. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash united. Okay, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Heavy focus, of course, on college soccer. Great visit with Dr. Jay Martin from Division Three Ohio Westland on the men's side. As promised, we move to Division Three on the women's side and are pleased to be joined by the head coach of Wisconsin Whitewater. It's Ryan Kwame now in his sixth year, coming off a season a year ago where they won 21 straight. That's right, 21 consecutive. Ryan Kwame, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Uh, Thanks, Dean. Same as well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. And here's the deal. Last year, we talked to over 105 coaches. That's our goal again this year as we continue to try to spread the love for college soccer, not just at the D1 level and every level. And boy, the theme this year again has been the incredible quality of women's college soccer at every level. And I'll tell you what, it's not going away. At the D3 level, you're now entering your sixth season. Talk about how special women's college soccer is at that level, Coach? Uh, it is special, and the great thing about the Division Three level is they're playing because they want to be here, and, and the heart and love for the game, which is obviously enjoyable, uh, especially for a game that's given me so much. So I'm happy to be a part of it. I think the level at our level, at uh, Division Three level, keeps rising. Uh, it's been fun to be a part of that and continue to try to build on that. All right, help us get to know Ryan Kwame. Tell us about where you grew up and when soccer became part of your life, Coach. Uh, yeah, I grew up in the Madison, Wisconsin area, Dean. Had a passion for the game immediately at about the age of four or five. Of course, the game was growing in, in the U.S. at that time as well. Was a goalkeeper, an average goalkeeper at best, but really enjoyed, had a great passion. Uh, when I went to college, I had a few small Division three offers, decided to just get into coaching right away and, and started coaching some youth teams through my college years and in the youth game for about 13 years uh, and then had the privilege of transferring an assistant role here to UW-Whitewater uh, in 2008 and have been here ever since and enjoyed every part of it. Talk about that transition from assistant coach to head coach. How did that happen? My predecessor was head coach of both men's and women's soccer here and Greg Henschel who was a great mentor to myself uh, and Greg got an opportunity at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee uh, and at that point I had a great athletic director and Dr. Polinski who made a decision to split the program. It treated me great and it, I transitioned over to head coach and of course I thought I knew everything and was prepared, and as become a head coach, you realize there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Greg prepared me very well, but there are a lot of things behind the scenes I wasn't quite aware of. So uh, it's been a fun transition. It was also a fun time to take over the women's program as we were just starting to climb the ladder and had some recent success. We had a great foundation built, uh, and obviously we continue to try to build on that. Well, and you're building on a great year last year as well. Yeah, last year was an outstanding year. I mean, 21 wins in a row at any level in this game, as you know, I think is pretty remarkable. So um, each year in its own has its own up highs and lows uh, throughout the year. But we're very proud of what we accomplished last year and, again, looking to build on it for this season. If you listen to any of our shows last year, we often asked uh, male coaches about uh, when they said, hey, you know, I really enjoy coaching the women's game. And then along those lines, we talked to several former goalkeepers and 
including a guy like Tony Miola, who is trying to be recognized as a head coach, not a goalkeeper coach. Don't call me a goalkeeper coach. Even Scott Vallow, who's the assistant coach for the North Carolina Courage of the NWSL, if you say he's a goalkeeper coach, he'll knock you out, right? He's the assistant coach, not just a goalkeeper coach. You've done both, right? You're coaching women, and you've been able to shed the notion of uh, a goalkeeper can be a head coach. Talk about both. When did you say, you know what, I enjoy coaching women, and then also you knew you had to fight through the situation of being a goalkeeper, right? Maybe even you were a goalkeeper coach a little bit. Talk about both those things. Sure. Well, in the in transferring to the to women's game, and when I was in the youth game, um, you know, I coached both boys and girls teams, and for whatever reason, I just think my personality and, and my personal enjoyment, um, I just related and connected a little bit more um, with the with the female game, and, and my strengths as a coach, I think, fed into the female game, and you know, a little bit more technical, not quite as physical. I think both games obviously have a lot of tactics in them, so it was just a natural fit. When I got here at Whitewater, I was able to work with both the men's and women's program as an assistant for those first few years. Obviously, huge differences in the in the speed of play and the, and the type of play. But you know, when Coach Henshaw left, I was given the option to take either program, and I just felt it it fit my strengths a little bit more to to go with the women, um, and I was also felt I was more a part of what we had built with the women. Our men's program had been established for many years where, again, our women's program just had some recent success. So I was a little bit more attached personally and professionally to the women's team. And then the goalkeeper transition, I started coaching right away. And I wouldn't, I have coached goalkeepers. I wouldn't call myself a goalkeeper coach, uh, even though I played the position. So I've been thankful to have a lot of great assistants to kind of help me through. But I think whenever you're a goalkeeper playing um, or a goalkeeper coach, obviously you're the, you're the eyes in the back, as I'm sure many coaches have talked about on your on your show so you have that ability to see everything and, and that eye for it so um, and you can observe and learn a lot so I think being a goalkeeper has definitely helped my transition into coaching for sure coach you're very clear about the fact that uh, coaching at the d3 level you're coaching young ladies that want to be here and they want to make a difference they want to be on the field talk about uh, how hard it is to recruit uh, in that process every year it is difficult to recruit because it is, is a balance they have to want to do it it's also a strength um, I remember when uh, a mentor of mine was at, who was at the Division One level. I was upset early on in, in my years here because we had a player leaving the program who I thought had great potential and I enjoyed having her around. And, and he said, "Hey, if they don't want to be there, they won't be at the Division Three level. At my level, they might be staying on because they don't want to tell mom or dad that they're losing that scholarship." So. You can look at it as as a bad thing, or you can look at it as a strength, and you have players that want to be out there. And I, I think that's a great value to Division Three athletics. But recruiting is difficult because all the, everybody does youth soccer. It's, they come here, they think soccer is their thing, and obviously there's a lot of different avenues and routes they can take, um, both ex- academically as well as socially when they get to college. So finding the right fit of athletes that want to stay and, and buy into a program and really be committed to it is is a challenge at times. And um, you know all programs have some turnover, I think, because of that. And Division Three may be a little bit higher because they don't have anything financially attached to them. But I think at the end of the day, the reward is great because they truly are putting in the time for themselves, uh, both academically in the community and athletically. And I think they really reap the rewards of that. All right, Coach, I'm in Madison. I'm calling a Big Ten Network game. And I decide, you know what, I'm going to go check out my buddy Ryan Kwame at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater the Warhawks once I get there what will I find plug your university please Sure. Well, our athletic facilities are, are at a Division One or a scholarship level for sure, which is obviously a, a great tool for us recruiting. Medium-sized campus right in the middle of Milwaukee, Madison, Rockford, and Chicago. Obviously, four great soccer hotbeds. Our athletic tradition around here uh, is phenomenal and has been a big growth of our success. Um, a mentor of mine is now the head football coach at Buffalo, won six national championships in eight years. So the success of all of our athletic programs has helped grow everybody's soccer, included phenomenal business school so some great academic resources as well so very privileged to be able to be a part of UW Whitewater and the great academic and athletic success. Finally you strike me as a coach uh, who wants to continue to learn obviously United Soccer Coaches new name same vision though but uniting everybody about around their love and passion for soccer how has the organization helped you develop as a coach? Probably the biggest um, organization I can relate to for my success. I've done all the courses through the Premier Diploma when I was young and in the club game and, and can't thank those opportunities enough. Built structure and organization and, and how I thought about 
training sessions, how I thought about the game and the vision, and then obviously the networking that, that came out of um, all those courses and, and the conventions every year. Both My whole staff goes to convention every year. So uh, United Soccer Coach has been a, a great resource for me personally. Um, obviously all they do for the college game with the college service memberships and, and the rankings and the recognition for our student-athletes um, with all region and all American has been a great success. So I look forward to the, to the name change and, and, and moving forward, but I've always been a big supporter of uh, the association. Outstanding. Ryan Kwame, number 10 in the country, four women's Division three in the United Soccer Coaches rankings. The season is upon us. Coach, we wish you the best of luck. We'll be tracking you as you climb up that ladder and try to track down a national championship. Dean, greatly appreciated. Uh, it's always great to talk about our profession and, of course, the University of Wisconsin. So I thank you for your time as well. I wish everybody the best of luck in their upcoming season. And go Warhawks. Yeah, why not? Go Warhawks. I like him. Ryan Kwame, head coach of Wisconsin Whitewater, the women's soccer team at the D3 level. Let's stay with women's soccer. Eddie Radwanski in his seventh season now as the top man for the Clemson women's soccer team. They ruffle some feathers in the ACC, folks, and they got a team that could also chase down a national championship. Eddie Radwanski next, around the corner. Want 15 extra hours each week? Team Snap can help give it to you. Their customers save tons of time every week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united. Now, here's your host, Dean Linky. Eddie Radwanski, what a job he's done now in his seventh season with Clemson, turning that program incredibly upside down. Great success. And Eddie Radwanski joins me now. Eddie, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Good to be with you, Dean. Seventh season now at Clemson in the incredibly tough Atlantic Coast Conference. How's your time in Clemson, Eddie? Uh, Honestly, Dean, it probably exceeded my expectations. You know, I thought I was going to die at UNCG and they would bury me there. This opportunity presented itself, and uh, we embraced the challenge and the opportunity. And, you know, we were very fortunate to uh, obviously have some success and turn the program around. But, you know, the real joy has been the people that I've met, the, uh, the, the synergy between the coaches, having a friendship with Davo Sweeney, watching that program blossom and take off. And it's just been a great dynamics for me uh, as a coach to be involved in this environment. It's been fun. Uh, it's been uh, challenging. It's been everything. It's, it, it, like I said earlier, it, it exceeded my expectations, but the people here are just phenomenal. Well, that's fantastic, and always always fun when uh, your football team wins a national championship and you're right there with friends with the head coach. I'm so glad uh, you mentioned uh, your relationship with Dabo as well. All right, here we go again, and you know that uh, headed down the road, you'll, all, you'll have that tough ACC schedule, but you're headed to Indiana to get the season started. Give us a little view of your team this year, Eddie. What do you got? Well, we're going to be a very uh, different-looking team this year. Uh, obviously, we had that fantastic group that we brought in that graduated last year, and there's 12, there was 12 seniors, and that was the group that ended up winning the ACC championship and basically turned the program around. So we're going to be a, a younger group. We feel like we're very talented. Honestly, from my perspective, this is the beginning of phase two of the project here at Clemson. We need some experience. We need some challenges. You know, I, I didn't lighten up on our schedule because I feel like if we get challenged by playing very good teams, it's our young players are going to blossom, they're going to learn, and that'll get us ready for the ACC, which you know we all know is ridiculously hard. Kind of excited for this next phase, kind of excited to kind of reteach and coach and go back to basics. And, uh, you know, to, honestly, this is the best time of the year. Eddie Redwanski's Clemson team starts the season at 13. And certainly last year with USC walking away with the title over West Virginia, it really does prove that the parity is amazing in women's college soccer. And Anson Dorans telling us a couple of weeks ago he feels like it's never been stronger. It's made him want to work even harder as uh, he continues to get it done at UNC. It's pretty amazing what women's college soccer continues to do today, Eddie? Well, I would agree. The, the parity within the game has really jumped up to new levels. Everybody has to work hard, especially being in our conference, because you know, there, you know there's a bunch of teams that can not only win the conference, they can win the national championship. And that keeps you on your toes day in and day out. You know, Obviously, the ACC is the, is the top conference just based on RPI and all that stuff, and it's a challenging perspective. But there's a lot of other very good teams out there and other good conferences, and obviously we like to play and test ourselves with them. So, you know, 
very rarely do you, unless you're playing a cupcake schedule, you know, you're not going to get a day or a weekend off. You've got to bring your A game, and uh, that's one of my philosophies. You know, we want to ch- test ourselves all the time. So when we get into the ACC, we're not going to get hit by any surprise. Now, you talked about uh, your incredible ties to UNC Greensboro. You'll take your team to UNCG on August 27. That's always a special time for you. Well, obviously, you know, Greensboro and UNCG is always going to have a special place in my heart. I waited long enough for anybody that I ever recruited is no longer playing because I could never have played against somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I wanted the opportunity to go back. Uh, I'm friends with Coach Michael Cole there. He's going to do a wonderful job. He's doing a great job uh, at UNCG. And it just gives me another chance to go home. You know, I want to show some of my – I want to show my Clemson team, hey, this is where – you know, I started. This is where I grew, and UNCG is a is a special place. I mean, shoot, Dean, in ten years there, we won eleven championships. Mm. And although that sounds great, and it is, it, the, the 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 special thing that I always carry with me are my relationships with my players. Watching what they're doing now, watching them get married, being successful in in the business world, being successful in grad school, you know, doing incredible things with their lives that's really what we're doing in coaching you know there's just there's a, always a small percentage of players that go on to play professionally which is great but you know we're in the college game and we're about building and molding lives and uh, that's a real honor and i'm uh, uh, i feel humbled that i get to, to be in this position well you're also in a position now where you can prepare some of your better players to move on to the nwsl a league that has shown some stability and continues to grow I love the NWSL, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, I've been around in the in the in the soccer world for a while, and been in leagues that have you know have not been stable. You know, franchises coming and going, and the women's league has, has kind of had a uh, you know a rough start with that. But that's just part of the growing pains. It's been, I think, it's been a dynamic turnaround because you're hearing more of the talk of the NWSL looking to add teams as opposed to teams going away. And that's a real positive sign because these incredible gifted women that are out there playing, uh, just like you and I had growing up, Dean, we always least could dream about, hey, I want to be a professional soccer player. Hey, I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to be a professional football player, whatever it is. And these girls didn't have that type of dream back in the day. And now they do have something that they can inspire to, right? They have players that will lift their spirits. There's a little bit of something to dream about. And, uh, and and I think on the other note, it's going to help the game in this country. It's going to help our national team, uh, hopefully, to go on and win more World Cups. Anytime anything good happens with the women's game, I mean, look what happened with the fact that Holland won the Euros. If you saw that celebration afterwards, you would have thought it was the men winning the Euros. It was spectacular. The crowds that turned out and how they responded to it. I mean, it was a win-win for women's soccer. Well said. And you speaking of dreams, it's going to be uh, your dream and every coach in college soccer to win a national championship. Knowing that the parity is there, what's got to go right for Clemson to walk away with the hardware this year? Honestly, we're going to focus on the things that we have control over. We did this last year in our final game of the season when we had to play Duke for the ACC championship. We talked about let's be the best Clemson. Let's be the best us that we can be. And if we can do that, we'll feel good about our performance. And it's kind of like a byproduct thing, Dean, where if we do the things that we value that are important in our culture, you know, like commitment and loyalty and eminence and things of that nature, being a great teammate, you know, loving each other, caring for one another, the winning and the successes will be a byproduct of what we do. Those are the things that we really focus on. So what do we want to do primarily this year? We want to give a great effort. We want to have a great attitude, right? Our mindset is going to be nothing but positive. And then we're going to try to be the best individuals that we can be, and then collectively we'll bring it together. If we can do all those things based on how we play, because we're typically a ball possession team, you know, we like to move it, we want to compete, you know, we'll be in every game that we step on the field, and we'll let the results speak for themselves. But if we can walk off the field knowing that we check those boxes that are important to us, we'll feel very good about our performance. Eddie Radwanski, always love having you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Good luck this weekend in Indiana. Good luck the entire season, and we hope to see you at the end of the season down in Orlando. Thanks very much, Dean. Good to catch up with you, and best wishes to everybody for a great season. Thanks, Eddie. Coming up, we wrap up the show with another visit with one of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 members, Sarah Loudon, by way of Newcastle, England, is now with Becky Burley at the University of Florida. You'll like her story, and it's coming up next. 
Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With TeamSnap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com United. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. What a great show we've had. Of course, Al Albert, one of the legacy members of the United Soccer Coaches, and of course, heads up the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. He is a true legend and heavy focus on women's soccer today. Eddie Radwanski, the very successful coach of Clemson, number 13 in the country for their women's program and the women's rankings at D1. Ryan Kwame has University of Wisconsin Whitewater at number 10 for women, D3. And continuing that theme, taking a look at some very successful leaders in the women's game. How about another look at uh, one of the members of the newest class of the United Soccer Coaches, 30 Under 30. And this week, we're so pleased to be joined by Sarah Loudon. And Sarah Loudon, by way of Newcastle, England. Sarah Loudon joins us now. She's working with the University of Florida and Becky Burley. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Dean, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love your story, so I kind of want you to tell it as well. And we know now that you're from Newcastle, England, but tell us about the decision to come over to the United States and your path because, boy, you've been uh, involved with some big-time coaches, some big-time names that uh, everybody associated with the United Soccer Coaches will know. Yeah, so uh, I actually came over to the U.S. in 2008, played a year at Mississippi State, transferred to a smaller Division One called McNeese State, played there for three years, then graduated with my master's degree. While I was doing that, I was a volunteer coach for McNeese. Being English, it's kind of difficult. I'm sure people that know the how the immigration goes, know how difficult it is to stay. I applied for jobs, applied everywhere, couldn't find a job eventually. Found the only place that would have me was a small school in West Texas. So I went up there, worked there for a year, and then I just decided that, you know, I just wanted to work at the highest level I could. So I randomly one day just shot Randy Waldrum an email and just asked if I could help with the Houston Dash. And lo and behold, he emailed back within 20 minutes and he was like, come on down. So I packed up my things, moved to Houston, didn't really have a place to stay. I had a f- few friends that lived like an hour out of the area, so I would go stay with them, and sometimes I'd sleep in my car. So I did that for two and a half seasons. Through that opportunity with the Dash, I actually got a job uh, at Sam Houston State. It's a Division One school in Huntsville, Texas. So I would commute to the Dash, and I'd also work with Sam Houston with Tom Brown. I worked there for the last two years. I was also teaching in the Canese department, loved it. But being there for two years, I just felt like I was very comfortable where I was, and I felt like I needed a new opportunity. So... I actually got in touch with Becky Burley a few years ago and had a bit chat with her. And for me, Becky's somebody that I've admired for a long time and I just aspired to be like her. And so I got in touch with her a year ago again and just asked how I could work for her. Then we reconnected at the convention and we figured out the best way to get me in was to be a manager. So it was kind of a step down, but I know the step down is a way to get me forward. So now I'm at Florida. I've been here a month and I'm absolutely loving it. Randy Waldrum, Houston Dash. Of course, Randy Waldrum, former president of the United Soccer Coaches. Boy, did you show up at the right time to the Houston Dash. Tell us about that. It was impeccable timing, really. Uh, it was just when the women had just come back from uh, the World Cup and obviously bringing that trophy back. And I walked in when, you know, Kali Klingenberg and Mo all came back from the World Cup. So it was kind of a unique experience to get the, to be around that. And I think in the, the game before they came back, I think we had 4,000 fans. And the next game when they came back, there was 13,000 people in the stand. So it was, just a, it was just a crazy experience, but awesome. Yeah, I would say Carly Lloyd had a pretty successful World Cup. What do you remember about uh, spending time with her? She's a leader. The one thing I'll say about Carly is just the dressing room presence that she has is something that it's unique. And, you know, just spending time with her and, and obviously she never changed. I feel like before she went to the World Cup and when she came back, like she was the exact same person. And she just she works so hard. She's always there after training working on PKs, free kicks, fitness. And honestly, it was just an inspiration to be around that type of player. And not just her, but even the players that didn't go to the World Cup, the players that were in the dressing room, like Jesse McDonald and Khalil High, they're all elite athletes and they're just great to be around. I mean, what a story. You talk about even just sleeping in your car. You know, I can I can picture you just going at it and then commuting from the dash over to your college job. And then, you, you know, you think about uh, powerful figures in women's soccer and then powerful leaders as a woman. Becky Burley, I mean, she personified 
personifies that as well. So well done you. You recognize that right away, I take it. Oh yeah, for sure. And like I said, I had I followed Florida before I even came to the US and even working with Becky is great, but Alan and Vic as well, the, the two assistants there, you know, they're all three of them are head coaches and I've never been in an environment where they all just bounce off each other. You feel like in an environment where you have three head coaches, you feel like there could be a lot of heads that would butt, but they don't. They're great and they just complement each other so well and it's just a great environment to be in. Talking with Sarah Loudon, one of 30 members of the most updated class of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. We'll visit with one every week as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. It certainly makes sense for me why the United Soccer Coaches would pick you because you certainly embody the passion for the game and trying to make a difference. Talk about your decision to apply to be part of this 30 Under 30 class. Well, I actually applied last year and I didn't make it. I actually got a lot of emails through uh, colleagues and friends and coaches that you know encouraged me to apply. And I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll try again and see what happens. I mean, from last year to this year, I'm actually pleased that I, I got denied, to be honest, because it made me work even harder to get in this year. But just to be a part of a great organization, I'm just so happy that uh, I was picked this year. So what's your focus now as a manager? Obviously, it was a way to get you to Florida, and certainly, uh, you know, you had to be resourceful to make that happen. But what's your primary focus with the team? What are you keeping your eye on? Honestly, I think anything that I can help the team be successful, so whether that's honestly picking up cones or whether that's helping downstairs in the equipment room or whatever the team needs for me to help them win a national championship I'm happy to do whatever it takes okay what are you most looking forward to as part of this 30 under 30 class you know and also tell us who your mentor is I'm looking forward to uh, basically getting to network and obviously taking advantage of uh, the opportunities that the United Soccer Coaches Association is um going to provide through the 30 under 30. My mentor is Jay uh, Golcom, who works at a, a club in Florida, so he's pretty close. Cool. So we're actually going to meet up in the next few weeks. Congratulations on being a member. I love your story, your commitment, your desire. And you said, you know what? I'm going to do what it takes to work with Becky Burley. And here you are. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. We appreciate you, Sarah. And we appreciate all of our guests, especially Steve Swanson, the head coach of the University of Virginia women's soccer team in Charlottesville, Virginia. We'll see you next week right here as part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more.